0: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by t shirtcom the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
1: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host for this one, John Siegley, joined by EJ Wilson and Mike Ingersoll. We are sponsored, as always, by Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com, here for our weekly In the Trenches podcast. Guys, UNC got the win that they desperately needed for the season over Duke last weekend. EJ, let's start with you and the defense, man. Talk about that final play, because you know I think most Carolina fans, seeing Duke have the ball first and goal, from the two-yard line, just you know, figured there was no way that, that they were going to pull it out. But the defense managed to make that play kind of walk us through what you were feeling and, and what you saw during that stand-up. Well, uh, initially
0: of course I was like, here we go again. Um, we're we're kind of letting things go. Uh, getting kind of soft on them and letting them push the ball down the field. So I honestly was a little discouraged uh, right up until the point where uh, Chaz's hands touched the ball. And honestly I think we're looking at a Carolina legend in the making. I mean, just just this guy's story about transitioning from quarterback and how he kind of struggled early on in the season and now looking into the at the player that he's blossoming into. I mean, he looked way more confident in his assignment Saturday. Uh, He he was blitzing hard. He was tackling hard. I mean, he was just out there running around making plays and having fun, and I think that play was no different. I mean, that's the type of stuff that you want to see. Of course, me being a Seahawks fan, I was kind of on the wrong end of a very similar play uh, in the Super Bowl a couple of years, so I I was just excited to uh, to see that play, and I think that this is something that we really can build upon. Um, It kind of I I wish that it didn't that we didn't kind of what I call play around with these guys for this game um uh, during this game because I think that we had uh, a lot of opportunities to put them put them away in the game, but I'm glad that uh we were able to stand up on the goal line and make that play. Uh heck of a play by Chaz. And then Mike, as far as the offense goes, they had a lot of
1: success running the ball against Duke. So can you break it down for us a little bit what you saw and what led to this success on the ground against the Blue Devils?
2: It's the same thing that I've been talking about all year, and that's getting up to the second level on double teams. Um, Charlie Heck actually did a great job. Uh, I can't remember if it was Michael Carter or if it was Antonio Williams. I think it might have been Michael Carter. Um, snapped off a huge run, and it was the result of uh, Charlie Heck getting up on the second level and getting on getting on the linebacker. Um, if Charlie hadn't, hadn't had thrown that block, and been on his as assignment, then that run would have never sprang. I think it was coming off the goal line. Um, it might have been a third down run. It was, it was, it was a huge play in the game. It was, it, um, I believe we scored points on that drive. It was a, a, a momentum-shifting play, uh, and it was all because an offensive lineman got up on the second level. So I saw that much better throughout the, the course of the game, and I think that's why we had success in the run.
1: Now, EJ, turning back to you real quick, in our preview podcast, I asked you about what Jay Bateman may have in store for the Duke rushing quarterback, and you said that really the defense didn't, did not need to do anything differently. They just needed to actually follow through and finish their plays and keep on doing what they were doing, and they responded in a big way. As a player, if you are having that success in your system, what does that mean for you now knowing that you have yet another big time rivalry
0: game coming up this weekend? Being comfortable in the system is everything and I will applaud these guys uh somehow some way I think they might have listened to our podcast and kind of answered the call but I- I'm glad they did and you saw them play with the same intensity that they played against uh Clemson which Kind of leads me to my next point. It's kind of disappointing that we're seeing our guys, they have to get up for certain games uh, where our defense has really played lights out. Um, I think they had a really good game against Duke. That's an in-state rival right down the road, right in our own backyard. And of course, um, who wouldn't want to play well against the number one team in the nation? Uh, Because, I mean, of course, you know, the NFL scouts are watching and you know, that's big implications, not only uh, in the ACC standings but in the ranking. So it was absolutely awesome to see those guys fly around. And from what I saw, I didn't see anything any differently. Um, I saw guys blitzing with intentionality. They were actually trying to make a play. I saw guys fitting off of each other. I saw some natural games in the past rush, which kind of led to some of the sacks that we had. So the, this level in, of intensity, I know that we have a younger group. Uh, this is the first year in their system, but at, the, at this point in the season, I think all those excuses go out the window. And when you're seeing these guys kind of get comfortable in the system and there's more tape out there on us. Now I think we're going to see some of those wrinkles that we kind of expected to see against Duke. Now I think we're going to see some creative alignments, uh, some creative angles on the blitz. We're going to see some guys. It's going to be the same blitz, but we're going to make it look different. So instead of sending a linebacker, maybe we send a corner or a safety or something like that. So I definitely think that it's good that we're doing that because we do need to change it up uh, right here in the home stretch of the season. And uh, it's even better uh, that the guys seem to take hold in the system. I mean, you saw Chaz making plays not only in the running against the run, but also as the, in the past. So you just see the confidence in his coverage. You see him out there talking. Uh, my guy, Dominique Ross, he stepped up and he made a couple plays. So, and, and and I think that was really one of the key things. Someone else came through and started to make plays. They fed off the energy of the crowd. They fed off the energy of the plays that their defensive teammates were making. And uh, it, it was just a great all-around defensive game. So going into uh, going into the rest of this season, especially going into a game this Saturday, which uh, is a very beautiful opponent. But uh we, we know how we go back and forth with UVA over the year, So I think if we can put together a defensive performance with the same intensity uh that we did this past Saturday, I think we'll like the outcome. Yeah,
2: Mike. EJ, I'll tell you what, I, I tweeted that out during the game watching Jeremiah Gimmel uh blitz. Jeremiah Gimmel blitzes with a purpose, and so does uh Ch- so does Chad Surratt. So I, I, I can one hundred percent corroborate that observation.
0: Oh, it reminded me a lot of Zach Brown and uh and Kwan when we were playing, man.
2: Zach Brown hit like a freaking truck. That was one of the hardest-hitting dudes. Him and Kev Red, two of the hardest-hitting dudes I ever had to play against.
0: Oh, yeah. I'd say that
1: is very high praise, guys. But they have been playing up to that level so far. And, I mean, EJ mentioned about how young they are. The building blocks are there for UNC to be very, very good on defense. As far as the offense goes, Mike, we talked about it a little bit earlier about how UNC had success running the ball. But with Phil Longo, you know, he is known as the air raid coach, and yet – I think that he's done a very, very good job of changing the gameplay in the short amount of time that he has to fit against the specific opponent that the heels are going up against for that week. From your playing days, how difficult is it to tailor such a specific game plan week by week by week? And how effective is it that the heels are able to pull that off now?
2: Well, every team gives you stuff that you can exploit I mean no no defensive scheme and no offensive scheme are perfect so the trick is just taking your square peg and fitting it in in whatever round hole you're looking at that weekend and that 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 phrase please you know excuse excuse how bad that sounds but you know what I mean but yeah you're sitting there trying to figure out week by week what do we do really well that can exploit what they don't do so well and there's always one or two things for for each team that you know are going to hit big, whether it's a blitz package or if you're on offense, um, it, it's, it's some, it's some play. It's it's you usually got one thing in the run that you know is going to be successful. And one thing in the past that you know is going to be successful. So you just, you go ahead and you treat that as your staple play, right. And you just build your offensive game plan off of that. And every, every play will, will stem from that root play or from that foundational play for that week. So if you've decided that, they're very susceptible um you know because they you know maybe they drop back into quarters coverage and they leave everything open underneath but they're very susceptible to slants and uh and shallow crosses well then every single play that you run in the passing game will likely build off of slants and shallow crosses you'll 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 hit them early with the slants and then you'll start hitting them with sluggos and you'll get some stuff down the field and you'll you'll hit them with the shallow crosses the next thing you know you start hitting with reverses in the run game and things like that. So you show them the same looks and just do things different. That was John Shoup's motto was making the same things look different and different things look the same. And that, that's just that's how you game plan every week. So you just find the one or two things that your opponent doesn't do so well, and you figure out how, to, how can I exploit that with the one or two things that I know we can bank on every single week.
1: All right, let's take our first commercial break to talk about our friends at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. There are only two home football games left, but basketball season is about to start very soon, and Giant T-Shirt has everything that you need for the brand new basketball season. They have the hats, the jerseys, they have sweatshirts, sweaters, jackets, anything that you need for the cold weather. In addition, Giant T-Shirt also has all of the gear from all of the other Olympic sports. They have the brand new retro soccer kits that look really, really sweet, in my opinion. They also have the lacrosse jerseys, baseball jerseys, anything that you want, you can find it there at giant t-shirt and giant t-shirt.com if you're not able to make it to franklin street where giant t-shirt has been in business for decades they are an absolute icon there you can shop the full selection at giant t-shirt.com find anything that you could want for the tower Hill fan and your family In addition, if you are an Inside Carolina subscriber, you get 10% off of your orders. You can get that 10% off code from the Tar Pit Premium Message Board or the Basketball Premium Message Board and use it there in-store on Franklin Street or online. Giant T-Shirt at GiantT-Shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. All right, so... Let's talk about the upcoming UVA game guys because I don't think it's it's a stretch to say that this is another must-win game for UNC. They've had a bunch of those here lately. But, you know, the game against Duke really did keep UNC's dream of winning the Coastal alive, but they are going to be another very very physical opponent. EJ, when you're looking at the mentality of the players, how do they keep the emotional level high going from week to week? Or, given that UNC has had to play with basically no depth on defense, are you worried at all that the players could risk potentially burning out having such high intensity coming at them so frequently? Hold on a second,
2: John. John, hang on a second. I thought I thought this conversation had just shifted to square pegs and round holes. Wouldn't the Wouldn't the natural follow up to what I just got done talking about be to ask EJ what round holes he sees this week?
1: uh i don't know if listeners want to hear that i don't think that they need to hear about what went on in y'all's locker rooms that's that's where the special after hours off Wait, wait, wait wait wait
2: i'm talking about i'm talking about football acumen football strategy and tact and you're talking about stuff that goes on in locker rooms john this is a family podcast and Inside Carolina is a family company. What is wrong with these?
1: People? I'm not even going to respond to that because the viewers know about YouTube Degenerates. Everyone well, listening in here knows. Well, I thank you.
2: Thank the, you. Only, the only, listen, the only viewers that know about me and EJ viewed me and EJ. And if I don't know who you are, then you need to come out and tell me because I, I'm pretty sure there weren't any, I'm pretty sure there weren't any windows around. So I want to know where you were, viewer.
1: On listeners, so
0: hard on
2: voyeur, viewer voyeur.
0: <laughs> back to the business at hand. <laughs> yes So I please.
2: mean, what I back think, back to I the mean... business in hand, EJ.
0: I think, I mean, being a part, being a football player and being on this level, I mean, I I don't think that being burnt out should be anything that we'd have to worry about with this team, especially with knowing that they have something to prove and the defensive depth, it does worry me a little bit, but luckily we haven't been too plagued by the injury bug. Yeah. It's hit us a little bit in the secondary and that's definitely hurting some games, but um, I like the resiliency of our guys to just go out there and line up and play with whoever's out there. But, I like what I see in this team. I mean, yeah, there's been some up and down games that we've seen defensively, but that's kind of one of the reasons why I don't think this team will burn out. I mean, they've come out and had some big performances and then come out and had a letdown and they still had to pick themselves off the mat for that. So I think it's going to be a little bit easier to ride the tide now that they've had such a great showing versus an in-state rival, um, another ACC opponent, another uh, exciting win. And I think that some of these guys who were getting recruited and around the program the last time we went to the ACC championship game i think they're motivated to return the program to quote unquote glory to at least get back to what really is the the pinnacle of the program over the last few years Uh, yeah while we were there we won a few games but we didn't make any appearances in the acc championship game so I think that'll eradicate any fear that, uh, any fear or any burnout that's uh, surrounding this team. And I honestly, uh, and from the way they're training and just the motif and the theme of the whole season, this this is a fourth quarter team. We are stronger in the fourth quarter, and therefore, I think we're going to be stronger in the fourth quarter of the season. So, I think that these guys are just ramping up, and I'm not worried about them being burnt out at all. The defensive depth does worry me a little bit more, though, because as you mentioned, uh, we we had a physical game this past Saturday, a physical game versus Virginia Tech. And we got another uh, physical game coming in here. And we all know not looking too far ahead, but we all know on November 30th, that's going to be probably the most physical game that we play all season. So I just hope that these guys are doing what they need to do to get treatment and take care of their body so that they can put their best selves on the field and help us to reach the ACC championship game one more time.
1: Now, Mike, you have sung the praises of UNC center Anderson, who has really developed over the course of the season. The fans were all on him early on, but to his credit, he has really developed into a solid player there to the point now where potentially this week UNC could get Nick Polino back. But Mac Brown said today that Polino actually has been working out all over the interior. We talked with Greg Barnes and Gregory Hall on Monday and they made the point that they actually could use Polino at guard. So when you're looking at the offense right now, how big of a deal is it that they could potentially just rely on Anderson to hold down that center spot but get back someone to Polino's caliber to provide depth elsewhere along the offensive line?
2: Yeah, you're right. Brian Anderson has done a phenomenal job this year in terms of his improvement, and it's exactly what I was hoping to see out of him because early on in the year, you're right. He caught a lot of flack and had some struggles. But I had a feeling that with game reps, he was the kind of guy that was going to get a lot better fast. That. And that's what happened. And I, I thought, against I Virginia Tech, he may have taken a step back. But, you know, sometimes that's just because you're playing against competition of doing things you haven't seen yet. You know, you got to understand, Brian Anderson and even these other guys, with the exception of Charlie Heck, these other guys that haven't played a lot, you know, they're seeing most stuff for the first time every week. So certain moves, counter moves, primary pass rush moves. Um players uh in, you know in terms of technique in the run game and actually implementing technique you practice during the week and implementing that in the game in real time that stuff is happening for the first time ever he's seeing cover zero all-out blitzes for the first time he's ever seen them he's seeing green dogs for the first time ever he's seen some of these some of these these frog twists on the inside for the first time ever and what he's done is he's learned from it all and he has improved a lot so i think I think leaving him in there is a perfectly viable option, and frankly, at this point it's what I would do. I would leave him in because Sam has gotten used to taking snaps from him, Brian has gotten used to play, used to playing center. You don't want to force him over to play the guard spot and, and and get him back get him back to swimming, or even worse, take his job away from him and affect his confidence, where you could just as easily plug Polino in at one of the guard spots, and now you've got an experienced guy in Polino playing playing at one of those guard spots you've got a guy who's been improving every week at center who's earned the right to be on the field, and you've got other guys on the interior that have also earned the right to be on the field but now have experience in the event that Nick gets hurt again or if Nick can't go come game time, you can plug them in and you can can play and you can feel confident in the group you have out there. Now, one thing I would caution against is creating some type of rotation. I would not have some haphazard rotation in there between Polino and the interior guys. The three guys on the inside that you're going to go with, you've got to stick with them, and you've got to stick with that core that core five man unit for the whole the whole the whole game. So the guys you've been going with in practice this week, the guys who have been practicing next to each other and preparing next to each other, they're the ones that we need to roll out on Saturday because that combination, whatever it is right now, is better than some rotation, especially if we're going to be rotating inside
1: guys. All right, let's take our final commercial break. And when we get back, we'll wrap up the discussion about UVA. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
1: And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with EJ Wilson and Mike Ingersoll. EJ, UNC's defense has been led primarily, I feel like, by Jason Strobridge and Aaron Crawford, who have just been absolute beasts on the interior. Against UVA, they are going to have to have big games again, going up against yet another Russian quarterback. How can those two guys continue to have the success that they have enjoyed so far in the season against the Cavaliers?
0: (sighs) I think they just have to play disciplined football. I mean, it's a reason why those guys are starters. It's a reason why those guys have been staples of our defense over these last few years. And I think with Coach Bateman's leadership, uh, I definitely think that they're going to, that they're going to continue to play at the level that they're playing. I mean, these guys have been the picture of consistency all season. Yeah, they may have had some games that haven't been as good as others, but I'm sure if I were a coach and I were to go to grade these guys, these guys would be probably two of the highest grade outs on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, we noticed the game that we didn't have Strobridge in there. How would it really affected us against the run and the difference that it made once he was able to step back on the field? And I mean, uh, Crawford, he he, he was the pass rush leader, uh, our sack leader for the beginning of the season. And that That's not something you really expect from uh, one of your interior guys and a guy that's known for being a run stuffer. So I fully expect these guys to elevate the level of uh, elevate the level of their game. I mean, this is their victory lap. So I'm sure they want to go out on a really high note. Those guys have NFL aspirations and, I'm sure that uh, if I had a chance to talk to him, I would tell him that the scouts are looking at how you finish strong. Uh, They don't want you to finish the season strong, but I know these guys aren't really thinking about the NFL or anything like that because they're focused on the task at hand. So I fully trust that these guys are going to go and take care of their body. They're going to go watch the proper film and they're, they're still working on their technique, Uh, they're still at practice doing the same things that they've been doing since their freshman year, which is working hands, working their steps, reading their keys. And by this point in the season, uh, you kind of get into a groove where everything is kind of second nature. The only thing you're really doing um, is really, you're, you're watching a lot of film. The practices aren't as physical. So I think that's one thing that is going to help with what I was talking about uh, for the previous question about some of our depth issues. And I definitely think that they're going to take advantage of that to where they're not getting as much physically on the practice field, I think they're going to spend a lot more time watching film because um, I have to believe that these guys want to finish their season uh, with the ACC champion in the ACC championship game and in the bowl game or whatever other possibilities lay out there. I don't want to mention them and sound kind of ridiculous or really jinx our chances of doing something spectacular, but um, I- I'm fully confident in these guys. I'm glad these guys are playing in our program. And I, I-, I think that I- I'm expecting lights out play from these guys. Uh, we Like you mentioned, we only have two more home games. So They don't have many chances to play in front of these electric crowds that have been showing up at Keenan this year. So um, I'm, I'm confident in those guys, and I'm glad that they're the guys leading that defensive line and the defense in general.
1: Yeah, 730 on Saturday. It's going to be yet another sellout crowd. Keenan has absolutely been rocking so far this season. The fans have really been turning out, which in turn, I think, has really helped fuel the team. So, Mike, you get the final word for this podcast. When you're looking at the offense, where do you think they can attack Virginia and what must they do to be successful if they're going to pull out the win against the Cavaliers this Saturday?
2: Uh, we're going to have to protect the football and minimize turnovers. First and foremost, Sam had two more interceptions last week, and whether they were his fault or not, you know, that's that's, that's the number one thing we're going to have to do to beat Virginia. We're going to have to have no turnovers and win the turnover battle. Now, the other thing we need to do also falls on Sam's shoulders, and he's got to start getting a clock. I've been talking about this all year long, but he has no clock in his head. He hangs on to the ball far too long. And, unfortunately, we don't have – our interior three, though they're getting better and they're improving – they struggle against good pass rushers, and they struggle against good scheming on the inside, so good twist games and things like that, um, which gets pressure on, on the quarterback. And if we can't protect Sam and keep guys from coming up the middle, um, we're going to be in trouble because Sam does want to hold that ball. Sam wants to run around and make plays. Um, and he, and we're, we're going to run the risk of a lot of big losses in yardage. We're going to run the risk of turnovers. We're going to run the risk of hurting, of, of getting him hurt if we can't protect him. So the first thing we got to do is we've got to protect the football. And the second thing we got to do is protect the guy who throws the football. Um, if we can do those two things and minimize pressure on Sam and eliminate turnovers, I think Carolina wins this game. You, you throw in or sprinkle in a little bit of inside run, so, you know, stuff between the tackles. Um, if we can snap off a couple of big runs again like we did against Duke and, and make, make the run game kind of dictate how that game's going to go uh, positively in our favor, if we can do that, then I think we're gonna. I think we'll win this game. Virginia is extremely beatable. When I saw them against Florida State early in the year, uh, I was very unimpressed. I remember the first time I played Florida State in 2009. Granted, it was a loss, uh, but if folks remember for three quarters of that game, it was a, it was, it was an absolute drubbing of Florida State in Bobby Bowden's last year. I was so disappointed in that Florida State team because I had these thoughts and visions and memories of. Florida State football and this this grandiose idea of what Florida State football was going to be and what the competition was going to be like that game and I, I I was extremely disappointed in the talent level and the effort level of that defense when we lined up against them in 2009. The Florida State team they have this year I think is worse than that team and that what this year's Florida State team should have beat Virginia at home in prime time and they didn't do it. So when I saw that game early in the season I was um, I, I I was a little uh, we'll call it um, uh, disappointed in Virginia, but I sold Virginia. I sold Virginia in the summertime when I saw Bronco Mendenhall having these guys pushing plates up the hill in training camp in full pads. I I, I saw that and I thought these guys, these guys are done. They've exceeded those expectations so far this season, but I think they're an extremely beatable team. They're also going to be a very dirty team. One thing EJ hasn't gotten into is that um, Virginia was always one of the dirtiest and I don't mean hard thought. I mean actual dirty play. i um, one of the dirtiest teams that I played against in college every single year, no matter who the coach was, no matter who was over there, no matter who their coordinators were. It was always the same mentality from those guys. Punches after the play, dirty at the bottom of piles, uh, running their mouth even though they're not any good and they, they weren't good enough to run their mouths, that kind of thing. Uh, hands to the face pulling jerseys, trying to break fingers, stupid stuff, things that don't need to happen. Virginia is the king of that as a program. That's a whole other – that 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 adds an extra layer to the urgency to keep Sam safe, to protect him, and to protect the football. And if we can minimize the amount of time that Virginia's on the field and has the ball offensively, Carolina's got a really good shot of winning this game. I'm really excited about it, and uh, I think the fans should be too.
1: All right, EJ, you get to respond to that. On a scale from 1 to 10, how dirty were the Virginia teams that you went up against? 11. That's what I figured. And
0: mm-hmm. then also,
1: I want to ask you guys real quick one more, kind of football-related, but not specifically related to the play on the field. What did you guys think of the uniforms against Duke? Awesome. Absolutely
0: awesome. Yeah, love, love yeah. It. Mike actually shot, that me a text. Mike shot me a text saying how awesome are these helmets. So, yeah, it, they, 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 look, they look great.
2: They will maybe be our stable uniform, but those helmets are sweet. I love the foot. I'd love to see a helmet with the Ramsey's head on the side.
0: Oh, God. Oh.
1: <laughs> that would be crazy. <laughs> maybe. We'll yep. see. Yunsi has had success with that heel helmet, so maybe they'll break it out again later on during the year. But, guys, we'll go ahead and wrap it up for this one. Thanks a lot for talking to me, and we'll speak again next week. Thanks, John. All right.
0: Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase? Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.